everybody, what's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Yeah, another uh, podcast episode coming your way, two in one week. What did you do to deserve this? Well, I don't know, maybe you were a decent person this week or last week, or maybe we just missed an episode last week and have to make good for some of the advertisers. You decide, you be the judge of that, but here we are a second time this week. Michael Beller, Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston coming your way, continuing our run through each of the eight divisions and previewing them from a fantasy perspective. Mr. Jake, what's been going on these last 48 hours since I talked to you? <laughs> Work, not much else. <laughs> just Breakout quarterbacks are out. So that's out there. So like last year, if we can go, I'll take two for two if we can just get the top two. I don't care about the other three. But last year was Hertz and Joe Burrow. So great start there. That worked out. Yeah, that worked that out worked pretty out. damn well. All right, worked out. Be sure to check that out, subscribers. I haven't checked it out myself. I trust that Justin Fields is in there somewhere. Uh, Barely. Yeah, yeah, he is. Barely. Well, he's middle of the pack, Funston. That's- <laughs> Barely, huh? Is he? I yeah. thought he was. Fu- I thought he was five. No, he's. Oh three. no, he's. Yeah, no, you're right. Three. Yeah, I mean, yeah right. I'm right. It's my article. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're right, Jake. Yeah, I think you got it, Funston. How about you? Forty-eight hours. A little bit more interesting than Jake's last forty-eight. Uh, what What Jake said, except for without the uh, QB breakout column. But, there you uh, go. Yeah, yeah. You know, ready to ready to talk some AFC East if we're. Uh, if that's what we got to do, that's what we got to do. That's exactly what we got to do. That's what we're going to do on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We are going to run through the AFC East, and I'm not going to beat around the bush anymore. I'm going to jump in. Guys, I'm actually going to jump in with the Miami Dolphins. That's where I want to start out the AFC East because this is a team that yeah, I, I haven't broken down all 32 teams yet in my brain, blah, 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 whatever, but I feel comfortable assuming uh, that this team is among the th- top three when we talk about realistic range of outcomes because uh, so much of it leans on Tua taking a step forward and being at least competent. So much of it leans on, you know, we don't know what Mike McDaniel is as a head coach. You've got a lot of new pieces here. You've got an unproven quarterback. But if things fall right, they could really fall right for this team with all the talent that's here. So I I could just see this going so many different ways. I will say that I tend to lean toward the negative side of things when it comes to this team, I, I mean, Jake, are, are you? Uh, do you agree with my assessment that this is going to be one of the widest range of realistic outcome teams in the NFL? A widest range? Uh, yeah. I'm not, well, wait. So the entire NFL? No. I mean, if you want to say the AFC East, I'm not saying. I, I'm not saying. I'm not saying like they could be twelve and five, or they could be five and twelve. I'm saying from a fantasy perspective, like they could give us a lot of really good fantasy players, or things could just totally fall apart, and they could be a fantasy bust sort of team. Yeah, I can see. Okay, fantasy purposes, sure, but I don't. I wouldn't say bust. I would say disappointment uh, because you know. Okay, some people might say like those words are parallels, but I, I think it's more of disappointment is that Tyreek Hill is not a wide receiver one. He's only a wide receiver two. That you know, you look at Waddle ends up being a wide receiver three. Tua doesn't take a step forward and ends up you know being the third year in a row. We had excitement for him and it doesn't happen. So, and then I think the biggest glaring issue overall, which I think a lot of people might be actually expecting more of a disappointment than excitement, is that backfield just has no conceivable value for fantasy purposes that we're just chasing yeah. our tail year long. So I say yes, but I, I don't where I say bust, I don't see Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle being wide receiver threes and fours, and I'll see Tua uh-huh. being completely irrelevant. So that's where I would say disappointment, yes. Uh I would say if you rank the likelihood, I would say they hit their mark. They exceed their mark, and then disappointment would be third. Um, 
but I, I think like they hit their mark as the most reasonable, and I would say they exceed it more than they disappoint would be my guess, just because of how they're structured now, especially with McDaniel. Yeah, I mean, I guess I think my takeaway here is uh, like reality wise, like they've done enough. I mean, they've been a ten win team and a nine win team the last two years. Mm-hmm. They've done enough. They should be a double-digit win team this year, given what they've, you know, they're able to achieve the last couple of years. I think the Tyreek Hill thing is is great from a standpoint of just giving an extra threat. But like, I think he's probably the guy for me that's being overdrafted. Um, like, if you just imagine how many, and just think about how many plays, big plays that were made. Because of what Pat Mahomes is able to do that Ty- that Tua is not able to do, there's I want to say a half a dozen mm-hmm. like big plays, and if you take those off the table, I think you're talking about a, a maybe a high end wide receiver too. But I'm seeing him still. Wide too. I do too. I, I still see him going top twelve uh, without a lot of people blinking at that. I think we need to kind of understand that. This is probably wide receiver two range time for Tyreek Hill in this situation. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's got nothing to do with Tyreek. The like the 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 plays just aren't. There's right. Those, some of those are just literally aren't going to exist in Miami's offense. Right. Yeah. There's you know, Mahomes pirouettes, kind of goes off to the side, throws off his back foot, and throws it you know forty five yards downfield. Yeah. And Tyreek's behind. I mean, it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Those plays and like Tyreek's got a handful of those every year that just like. This is not a knock on Tua whatsoever. It's not like, hey, Tua, why can't you be Patrick Mahomes? You know, like (laughs) no one's saying that, but it's just those plays, like, I mean, they just aren't going to be there. And so I'm I'm with Funston on this. I mean, Jake, where where do you have Tyreek in your rankings right now? Uh, He's wide receiver one, but back end. I can. Yeah. I didn't have my rankings like pulled up for this specifically. I'm also answering Nando for a potential magazine plan. So Tyreek Hill. (laughs) Look at Nando. Tyreek Hill is wide receiver eight. Wide receiver eight. Yeah. I think that's a little much, Jake. I don't. Who do? Who's right? Who's right behind? Well, obviously you don't. They're your rankings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right behind him. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Who are you going to yeah. put over him? Evans, Allen, me- Deontay, AJ Brown, well, T Higgins. Well, why not? First of all, why not Mike Evans? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Like, I would. Def- I would yeah. definitely take Mike Evans over because Tyreek. Mike Evans isn't top five. He is never top five. And Chris Godwin's going to be back, even if he's not healthy for the first week, one hundred percent. He's back for the beginning of the season, whether or not he's one hundred percent. There's no way in earth you. I'll, I'll argue to the death of not putting Mike Evans over him. Over well, Mike Tyreek. Evans has been top five. He had a 96 catch, 1300 yard, 12 touchdown season in 2016. Yeah, when he was the right solo now. guy, Jameis Winston going bonkers. Well, they're not even saying Chris Godwin. I mean, I I don't know that they were giving like glowing reports on Chris Godwin. What if Chris Godwin is basically a non-factor for all of September? I mean, sure. I, I but don't. I mean, I, he was, it could be enough. He was alternating with. Chris Godwin that year when Jameis threw for 5,000 yards and 33 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So, even if you put that... I mean, get, we're just... I mean, oh, I guess hold we're hold just on. talking... I'm finishing, I'm finishing my <laughs> okay. point here. Is five is 5,033 okay. suddenly off the table for Tom Brady? No, no, no. So, let me... That's what I'm saying. You, you guys are adding questions. Let me finish my point here. <laughs> Mike Evans just had 14 touchdowns last year and still only finishes wide receiver eight. That's my... Like, he... Is he going to do better than last year? That's even if Chris Godwin's not ready to start the season. Is he going to do better mm-hmm. than last year? You have the addition of Russell Gage. You have other options down the charts. Cool. Like so my point being is that where's the upside for Mike Evans to get over eight? Does he get to seven or six? Maybe. In that case, well, okay, fine. He finished six. Tyreek Hill finished eight. Whatever. But I'm just not going to put him over Tyreek Hill because 
I think we just saw what the best of Mike Evans is, and we've seen the best of Mike Evans is, and it's just never top five. Or like, but it's top five. Eight. It's top eight. I just think there's a like, I'm just saying the ba- the the bottom. I mean, yeah. Tom Brady two years with Brady, to... two two years with Brady. The number is almost exactly the same for Mike. Exactly. 70... So why is it going to go up? Yeah, I but... think it's that Tyreek's going to go down. I think it's that Tyreek's going to go down. That's where I'm at. I just that. don't think you're. Yeah, I think there's a downside to Tyreek that never existed in Kansas City. Okay, well, I I, I don't think Tyreek's going to go that far down. We're talking about I already dropped Tyreek Hill from top five down to eight. So I'm the, yeah. I'm just not going to go further. Well. Well, maybe we'll end up uh, having this, uh, and, and not maybe, we will end up having a little bit more of this debate as we get into the uh, meat of the fantasy football summer, but uh, let's, I want to talk, we can't, we can't overlook this backfield because, like, Chase Edmonds is here now, Sony Michelle is here now, Raheem Mostert is here now, Miles Gaskin is still here, like, I mean, is this like a classic Bellatrix backfield and just stay away? I, I wouldn't stay away from Chase Edmonds for too long. I mean, they're the one that they put the money in. I mean, if Miles Gaskin was remotely their guy, they wouldn't have went after Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle, and Chase Edmonds. I think Miles uh-huh. Gaskin is just a buried player at this point. Um, Sony Michelle is is turning into Malcolm Brown at this point. Like, I think he's just so it really comes down to how long can Raheem Mostert stay healthy? And like, I would bet against it being all year. So mm-hmm. for me, it's going to be Chase Edmonds, the guy getting $6 million, the one who can also work out in the passing game. He's going to get his fair share of carries, and I think he's going to dominate the passing uh, work out of the backfield. So for me, I'm not going to let him fall out of the top 30. I don't know if he's a, a full-on uh, RB2, but I think he's at least a high-end RB3. Mm, I just, yeah, for how long? Until he gets hurt in week three? <laughs> like that's the. I don't know. I mean, is there is he a bigger injury risk than than Moster? I, I mean, I don't know. Oh, I thought you meant Moster. That's okay. No, no, no I'm Edmonds, talking Edmonds. Talking. Okay, no. Well, the way you fra- I yeah, I thought you were saying Moster, and then okay. So e- even so, I'm. I think we've gone down this Chase Edmonds road a million times. I just I don't. Mm-hmm. He's not a lead. I think Arizona's told us that he's not a lead. He's a timeshare at best. So does he get to RB two? Maybe, but as you mentioned, let's even just say, let's make the joke that Mostert's done in week three. They brought in Sony Michelle, as you said. They drafted uh, Zaqu- the other Zaquan Ray Wright. They still have Miles Gaskin as of now, who I would assume between him, Ahmed, and Dokes, who they drafted last year, would be the one last to be cut, who still might not make the team. So, litany of options as they have on this team. And you're talking about like coming from the Shanahan train, all that type of stuff. Sure. One of these running backs is probably going to be a top 20 running back at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. If you want to say Edmonds, but what I'm getting to in this point is I have a feeling by the time we get to August, Faustin, a lot of people are going to be paying that price again, and that's where I'm going to be out on it. It's so yeah. Trey Sermon was the mistake last year, and hell, I, I thought it would be Trey Sermon. You traded up for Trey Sermon, and then it mm-hmm. wasn't him. And then it was Elijah Mitchell, who wasn't even the second option at that point because it was Mostert who was the third down the chart. So yeah, right. Would have been Mostert if he got yes. if he were healthy. Right. It's going to be somebody, but just but what I'm getting at is just don't pay if it's the premium price. Like if Edmonds ends up being a fourth round pick, then don't just take the other option that's further behind him. Yeah, that's uh, it's sort of like what we talked about with Chase Edmonds in Arizona last year and James yeah. Conner. Okay. Yeah. And, and you have him ranked 30 right now, Jake, which yeah. is kind of where I was saying he should go. Yeah, I go. think that's fair. Yeah. And I think if if you want to reach as high as like 26 in the draft, I wouldn't go any any farther than probably mm-hmm. about that. I, but I don't think I would go that high either. I'm more 28, 29, 30. 
How how bad do we think Tua would have to play early in the season for, to get benched for Teddy Bridgewater? Mm, I, it, he'd have to throw sixteen interceptions and zero touchdowns <laughs> in the first four. It's not happening. Like they're, it's the same for me as it's Jalen Hurst. You're gonna have to have thirty one other quarterbacks playing better than before they pull. It. Not saying it can't happen, but they would yeah. have to both be miserable for them to make the switch. You, you're, you, this is it. This is for both of them. This is the make or break season for both of them. Find out your answer. And the problem here is you don't want to make that answer being, all right, we're going back in the draft class next year, unless you're completely failing as a team, because you're going to have to be inside the top 10. It's probably about three good quarterbacks next year. So you're not going to say, all right, let's go nine and eight switching over to Teddy or like, you know, eight and nine switching over to uh, Gardner Minshew. So, it would have to be they started both these teams started like one and six, one and seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, it's going to be throwing the towel time on Tua if you bench him. Like, right. there's no going back to him again. Yeah. So you, I feel like they're going long leash on him this year for, yeah. and and that's the final determination on whether he's their future or not. Yeah, which makes a ton of sense, especially with I meaning. Look at the rest of the way the team's uh, constructed. Like all these guys, we we would be you know very excited about if we were sure about the quarterback position. They're back next year, so you can maybe afford, quote, as much as you can in the NFL to sink-ish a year if you want to go all the way with Tua and he proves that he's not your guy. And, hey, this assumes that he's not, and he certainly very well could be. I don't think anyone's closing them. Well, some people are, but I don't. I think maybe too many people are closing the book on Tua just right now as we head into this 2022 season. Let's move on over to what might just be the most boring fantasy team in the NFL, and that's the New England Patriots. Like, is there... I mean, you know, Damian Harris has got his uh, big fantasy role to play. Ramondre Stevenson, I think we can expect him to be something similar to what he was last year. He had Devontae Parker at the top of the wide receiver depth chart here. But, like, how how blah is this team, Funston? I mean, does it get more blah off the top of your head than what we're looking at in New England from a fantasy perspective? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Devontae Parker was their, kind of their big, uh, was their big, uh, you know, off-season move. And so unless you think he's going full 2019 with Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, you know, that's not that's not uh, too exciting. So, yeah, I think you just look at this team through basically the same lens you, you looked at it last year. I mean, I don't know there's going to be a lot of wholesale changes. There's James White being more healthy, so maybe he comes back into the mix as a, as a PPR flex play again. But, you know, the, the best that you can kind of hope for is a – continuation of the improvement from Mac Jones they open things up a little bit more and some of these receivers who you know Jacoby Meyer and Kendrick Bourne and Devontae Parker you know the guys that were there before (laughs) Devontae they had their moments but you couldn't really lean on them for a whole lot if Mac Jones gets a little better they open things up maybe those wide receivers become a little bit more of a thing but otherwise I'm just basically business as usual with this team yeah which Business as usual is don't draft anybody. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, basically, right? this, is a, this is a bunch of this is a bunch of like bye week guys. You know, well, the so, problem is I like Damian Harris, but people are going to overpay for the touchdowns. And see, I so I'm going different on that one, honestly. So the wide receivers, completely, well, no, no, I'm going completely different opinion. Uh, so the wide receivers are the cluster of what the Patriots backfield has been. So it's now and yeah. of recent years for the wide receivers just. Don't waste your time. You're going to be you're rolling the dice trying to find a wide receiver four who maybe can be a wide receiver three. Like this is uh-huh. another team that of the two teams uh-huh. that I would say does anybody on the team have a thousand receiving yards? I'll take the right. under on zero point five. It's the Jaguars and the Patriots 
for yeah. dissimilar but similar reasons in their different ways. So uh-huh. where I was going to say is I'm actually on Damien Harris as of now, Funston. Like the tea leaves are sort of like to see drafts and see people in the comments and talk about my rankings and stuff like that. I'm in on Damien Harris because it seems everybody's on Ramondre Stevenson thinking – I think it's the, we're going to find the better value, take the cheaper guy, but they're pushing Stevenson so high up to Harris that if Harris and Stevenson are back-to-back, it's Harris every single... I think I think people forgot Agreed. how good Harris was last year. And they're like, well, look at Stevenson's 100-yard games. Okay, Stevenson took yep. over 20 carries in both of those games. Harris was yes. doing it on yes. 15, 16, 17 carries. And I think people are romanticizing Ramondre Steve- Stevenson's yes. like, so, burst last year. So I think Pierre Strong is the future answer for James White. I don't know if that happens this year, but I'm going to avoid James White. James White hasn't been the James White value that we had from three or four years ago. But as Harris, and like I know it's the dead zone, but as Harris is a round five pick, I'm going to gobble that up. Now, if he climbs up to the fourth and to the third, then, yeah, Fonson, I'm with you and I'm out on that. Well, I so I've done, I don't know, four mock drafts for industry, and I've seen it be decidedly in favor of Damian Harris. I don't know if in, in Joe Public Leagues, if that's going to be a little bit more of a of a closer ranking and people are kind of more on Ramondre. But I think in the industry right now, people are are in on the fact that Damian Harris is is the lead guy. You know, it's still a platoon, but I still the, only have Harris. You have, at, you have him at 20, 25. I'm in yeah. the mid 20s with him as well. But I have Ramondre Stevenson at 40. It gets pretty hard to, you know, that, I don't know, 30, 33 to 40 range where you're looking at Melvin Gordon to Ramondre Stevenson to Ronald Jones. That's a pretty tight knit group of guys. You know, they're all kind of in the same tier. I mean, that's like, the, the, these really are the, the only two guys on the team that are going to get anyone all that excited. I mean, like, this whole team like strikes me almost as like a uh, so the first year I played fantasy football we were my, me and my friends were in eighth grade we like barely knew what it was so we were telling another friend about it after we had done our draft and he's like oh cool like that sounds fun let me get in and so he had to draft his team from the free agents and that sort of feels like what the Patriots are to me they feel like a, a, <laughs> like a dustbin scrap heap free agent team cobbled together. Yeah, what, what? Where are you at on Devonte? Like any chance? He's twenty nine years old. He's he's. Yeah. There's two seasons removed from when he was the number seven fantasy wide receiver. And that was Not, his only good year. Mm-hmm. It was, but I mean, he was working with. I mean, what was he? What has he had to work with? I don't say Mac Jones is all that, but it's it's a it's a better run organization. How um, many like how many foot surgeries has he had going back to Louisville? Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, few, I'm not, right? I'm not gonna crank him up into wide receiver three territory, but I wouldn't Sounds mind like you're just, cranking him up. I would consider throwing him on the back end of my bench. I mean, I'm like, why not? He's, well, yeah, I think anyone would consider throwing him on the back end of their bench, but that's all. I, I think Jake had this right, where it's like, there's maybe going to be a wide receiver three on this team. You're not going to know who it is, and like, even if you do know who it is, like the the weeks, the usable weeks are going to be few and far in between. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not looking just, at your ranking. You got him at 57. I don't really have a problem with that. I'd maybe rank yeah. him a couple spots higher. 57, but not who? Devontae. Devontae Parker. Oh, I thought, I thought we were. <laughs> yeah. Where are yeah, you? No, 58. A... Oh, Cordell. Pa- yeah, Cordell Patterson. That's why you're confused. <laughs> Cordell. Yeah. The Cordell corollary. <laughs> yeah. Right. Changes everything up. It's I yeah, like this team is just what a what a boring like. Kim, please. 
The Patriots had their two freaking decades. This is such a boring team. Can they just go like 5-12 and 12 this year? Can they go bad enough to not be relevant in the playoff race, but not so bad that they're going to get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they got their quarterback of the future, right? Did Mac Jones do enough? Like. <laughs> Take some, uh, you know, Division Three long shot for their <laughs> yeah. next top that's ten just, pick next year. That, that's what I want for this. Team. It's the the funniest thing about this team to be from a fantasy perspective is, is that they is the Hunter Henry Jonu Smith pairing. That's hilarious. Like what a perfect per like perfect team, perfect two guys for the tight end position. Like it's it's I I just that says everything I feel like we need to say about the Patriots that we have like. Two guys who could be like borderline TE ones on the same boring ass team getting in each other's way. So for Hunter Henry, it was like a slam dunk TD one TE one last year. No, so well, touchdowns. John, John missed a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which he always does. So I guess you could probably <laughs> think about it the same way. Actually, five also, touchdowns. Wait, did, nope. did did Hunter Henry even have six hundred yards last year? That's part of it too. Yeah, it's uh, like a he, Jimmy Graham special. Oh, yeah. He slammed over a 603, Jake. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> boom. Boom. In your Freaking face. Richard Rogers out here. So, I mean, this is going to be the <laughs> – this is going to be like – I mean, there's there's one top 100 player on this team. They're going to be like the – they're going to be one of the worst. It's just – I mean, we see these teams year in and year out. We see a handful of these teams. And, you know, uh, very often it's – it's a different team in this division that gets there, but it's going to be the Patriots this year, and it's just going to be like a very boring fantasy team. It really does feel sort of like Damian Harris and no one else. And so let's leave them behind for a second and go over to a team that is going to be very fun for fantasy purposes, but maybe not a whole lot of for us to break down because we sort of know what these guys are. It's the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, stud, Steph Diggs, Stud, we know the case there. We actually talked about Steph Diggs a little bit in our AFC West episode. With all, all of us settling into him being a pretty easy top five wide receiver, thinking that Devontae Adams, which is how he came up in our AFC West episode, versus Stephon Diggs is a fair comparison with one of those guys being four, one of those guys being five, and no one really wanted to fight anyone on it. Josh Allen, uh, QB1? Anyone want to make a Josh Allen QB1 case? Uh, no, I mean, uh, make a case for somebody else? I think that's the question. <laughs> He's back to back number ones, hasn't he? His yeah. Last two years have both been the number one. That's what I'm saying. So, like, sure I think the case would be like try and argue somebody else to be in the QB one. Yeah, yeah. Josh Allen definitely feel. I mean, when was the last time? Uh, do we know? I'm gonna, I'm gonna look that. The last time a QB went three straight years as QB one. Hmm. That's your. You're the. You're the historical trivia. I'm gonna look, I'm gonna look it up. Do you, <laughs> you guys have guesses? I'm gonna. I'm gonna go and see if uh, we can find this. Do you, you guys? Do you, you want to put in a guess, and then I'm gonna ask you a question. I don't think it's happened. Uh, I don't right. think it's happened either. I, my guess would be like Drew, that maybe Drew Brees pulled it off at some point, but I don't think it's happened. I don't think it's happened either. Uh, maybe, I mean, we could go to Casey Joyner for his <laughs> go, going Peyton, back into the 60s. Peyton would be my only guess, but I don't think I think Peyton only did it two years ago. Yeah, right? Peyton. Yeah, I, I was wondering I, if like Dante Culpepper, if I only think he had like two good years in a row. Yeah, um, I don't think Culpepper did it either. Um, so yeah, that's, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go click through and make sure that we do not have a three straight QB one guy buried somewhere here over the last 20 years. But while I'm doing that, why don't you guys do this backfield? They use the, they use the second round pick on James Cook, Devin Singletary, obviously still here. Zach Moss still here. Duke Johnson is here. I mean, is there 
at, at what we're looking at with the expected ADP, Jake, I mean, are you doing anything with this backfield in terms of going after someone? Why'd you come to me first? I was also doing your work too on the side. <laughs> so <laughs> no, no, I want to do it. I want to do okay. it. Okay, I, I was gonna it. say Peyton hasn't even done it back to back. So don't, you he didn't do it back to back even once. No, he actually. There was a year he always gets gets clipped by Tom Brady one year. He gets clipped by Carson Palmer one year. Like it's just Carson Palmer. Yeah, no, it's like random yeah. stuff. Fonston was right that Culpepper did it back to back, but he definitely wasn't mm-hmm. a third. Um, so in any case, while you're continuing to look down that road, were you asking about the running backs or the wide receivers? Because that's what I was looking at when you were asking a question. The running backs. <laughs> the running backs. The running backs. I, I'm look. It seems I don't know. Fonston. Steve Young. By the way, how Steve Young did he get three? Well, he said years? twenty years. He said twenty. Oh, the last twenty well, that's just, years. That's just where I'm looking. Okay, I mean you that's can keep I'm starting. You can search. keep going. Okay. Uh, Funston will know this more than I have, given the industry mocks. But again, this is at least from a feeling I'm getting is that I have a feeling that people are pushing James Cook way, way too high. I love James Cook's talent, but this is a split backfield. This is. The James Cook is the fact that Devin Singletary was never going to be a bell cow. And how many times do I have to keep coming back to this in this team is that if you had a bell cow, which Singletary was for a time last year, you could have a top 15 running back. We saw it. But you have to be a bell cow because Josh Allen takes too much away from this backfield. You can't have a, even a 60-40 split ruins both running backs. Now, they'll have fantasy value, but they're not going to be top 20. So Singletary... Uh, I have him at 30, and I'm down on James Cook all the way down 48. I think Cook could easily finish higher as an RB3, mm-hmm. but I don't. I wouldn't put either of them in the RB2 conversation at this point. Uh, I'm just slow. I was trying to bring up the. Uh, I was trying to bring up the last PPR mock I just did last week, and <laughs> um, and see, see where, where Cook was. See where they went. Yeah, but um, you know the hope. For Buffalo, as they did start to throw, Josh Allen did start to throw to the running backs kind of down the stretch. Devin Stingletary was getting four or five catches on a semi-regular basis. and um, Right, which is why I'm see. concerned that Cook takes that from him. Right. Uh, let's see. So James Cook in the last – he went round eight, uh, went okay. right after Kareem Hunt – uh, right before Melvin Gordon, which can tell you right now, it's too high. Uh, that's way too high. So that's yeah. what, like, that's somewhere in the 90s, that pick? It's 90s ra- overall? Uh, let's see, 12 teams, so it was round seven, eight, eight, eight round. Yeah. mid-round, so 12 times seven. Like that's got to be like right around 90. Yeah, um, yeah. So right in that early 90s range. Yeah. Too, too high. Yeah. And then where's Singletary at? Round six, uh, sandwiched between Miles Sanders and A.J. Dillon. Miles Sanders going to score a touchdown this year? You think? <laughs> I would think he. If he <laughs> save that for if that he show. scores, if he scores five, <laughs> then uh, he'll be he'll be a great value this year. Oh my god! Yeah, cup runneth over. He's not going to know what to do when he gets in the end zone for the first time this year. Uh, hey, guess what? At least according to FF Today, which is my go to to click through for these sorts of things, Dante Culpepper did it three years in a row: oh two to oh four. Oh, there you go. How about that? Dante freaking Culpepper. O2, no. he uh, ed- edged out Rich Gannon. What scoring are you, you know, using? Th- um, well, it's, just, it's there. I think we got to count it. If there's any any kind of no. industry norm scoring system but see, that they got you there. Their default is weird at quarterbacks. It's Yahoo, NF- Yahoo and NFL and CBS all have Rich Gannon ahead of them that year. In O2? Yeah. The difference there is that they do – point every 25 yards instead of a point every 20 
But they're all the same. All three of them are the same. That's what I'm saying. All three of them have Rich Gannon in front of them. Actually, NFFC has Rich Gannon in front of them, too. So it'll be it'll likely be the it one must that be an interception thing then right yeah that's what it has to be because it's got to be an interception because what Culpepper had probably went double Culpepper <laughs> my God in two thousand two Dante Culp this is a hilarious season <laughs> I was playing fantasy I don't yeah. even, I don't even, I barely I would never I, I mean I would have known he was a very productive guy but he had eighteen passing touchdowns twenty three interceptions. <laughs> Six six hundred three rushing yards and ten rushing touchdowns. <laughs> was that his first year of being on the map? Was that the first year of being number one? Yes, at least according to FF today. But Jake says the other ones have uh, Rich Gannon over him. No, because his rookie him. season didn't was, he have like a thirty no, touchdown? Yeah, pass his rookie season? season was really good. That had to be 03. That was two thousand. His rookie right? season was great. Yeah, and then 03, he had twenty five touchdowns against eleven picks. And in 04, Culpepper went 39 touchdowns against 11 yeah, picks. There it was. With yeah. 406 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. Yeah, 2000. Two, he was awesome. He had that, that five-year stretch where he was just awesome. Yeah, 2000, he finished just barely dance. behind Jeff Garcia. Yeah, and then just off the map after that. Randy Moss and Jake Reed, was that his two guys? God, Randy Moss is the reason I fell in love with fantasy football. Thanksgiving Day, 98, three touchdowns. <laughs> This game is really, really freaking fun if you have Randy Moss on your team. Absolutely. I think we can get that from some of the Bills this year, though, too. So I Josh love, I love Diggs. That's what we're going to say. <laughs> I think Josh Allen. Yeah, I think Josh Allen does it. You have to do it across multiple sites, and that's four sites he didn't do it on, including the <laughs> NFFC. So. so I think there were a bunch. Uh, Rodgers has a back-to-back. Breeze has a back-to-back. Um, someone else had a back No, no, no. Just Rodgers and Breeze both had back-to-backs in what I clicked through. But no one did three. I don't think wow. Peyton even I had think, a backpack. Sorry, you got me going down rabbit holes now. I'm, I think I think I do think Allen gets it. So yeah, Rodgers did it in 09 and ten, and then was second to Breeze in eleven. And then Breeze did it in eleven and twelve, and was uh, second to Peyton in thirteen. I'm so, so we've got so we so we have Culpepper going two one one, and then. Rodgers and Breeze both going one one two. How about that? What? What? Um, sorry, I'm. Uh, what Josh year Allen's was going to do it? Dante Culpepper was 2003. That he had uh, 39 touchdown passes. Four was 39. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. looking at the 2003 year, and it's Randy Moss and, and no no other receiver on the team had more than 29 catches. That was Nate Burleson. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh yeah. my god! That was 100, 111 catches for Moss and twenty nine for Nate Burleson as the number two. <laughs> used, used to be a different world throwing the football, kids in the NFL. Not uh, the way it is today. But I do think Josh Allen gets a three in a row. And I mean, I, I love, I love Steph. I think I would. I think, I think push comes to shove, I'm taking Steph Diggs over Devontae Adams. I think it's, I think it's a decent argument. Depends on how much you think, you know. How much Gabe Davis has become a thing? Uh, you know, yeah. I know a lot of people that cover the Buffalo. They keep bringing up the fact that yeah, I tried to throw out you know Jamison Crowder, the new Cole Beasley, blah blah. blah. They're like, really? They're really banking <laughs> on on Gabe Davis being like a, a you know a very like slam dunk number two mm-hmm. uh, receiver here. So I'm kind of kind of gonna try to see if if I get him close to ADP or around there, I'm probably gonna be in on Gabe Davis. People are going to like Dawson Knox too much, right? Well, to go back to Diggs real quick, I I still can't. I know we talked about that 
with the first show this week with Devontae Adams. But so you take Stefan Diggs' peak year, which was two years ago, um, yep. and you add 30 points to what he had last year, 265. He had 234 last year. So 265, you drop off Adams' 20 points, and now they're neck and neck. So you have to have Diggs' peak season plus more than 20% or 20 points off of Devontae. I'm not saying it can't happen, but again, mm-hmm. push comes to shove, my drafts. You're asking for two things to happen. If you just needed one or the other, fine. But you're asking me to have Adams drop off and Diggs to repeat a peak year. That's that's he where is. I'm going to differ. And the thing is, is like Diggs got more touchdowns, and but he had the fewer yards because he had fewer receptions. The target share was the exact same. He had the 160 something targets two years in a row. So like, I think his variance is kind of like right in that 235, 265. Uh-huh. He would need yeah. to do the yards and the touchdowns. Again, not saying it can't happen, mm-hmm. but when you talk about a peak versus a low being almost equitable, I'm just going to take the person who has the low. I guess what I guess what concerns me more there is more digs getting back to the peak year of two years ago than Devontae losing the the. Tw- I mean, I, I don't know. I think Rogers to Rogers from going from Rogers to Carr, having a guy like Waller, having a. See, um, I'm not it's, it's know, a, a guy like he Hunter, threw for Hunter 700 Renfro, more was, yards than Rogers did. The only Rogers? thing, yes, the only thing that but happened with Carr does, last year is his touchdown ratio was a like that's just not repeatable. Does, it was so terrible. He does, was throwing to broken Darren Waller. Hunter Renfro is his one. A brief time before he's out of the league, guy. This is dumb Braylon Edwards. He was throwing to nobodies <laughs> to catch touchdowns. Brian Edwards. What he was throwing to Braylon Edwards. Braylon Edwards. Oh, might yeah. as well have been Braylon. <laughs> it might have been Braylon Edwards at this point in his career. <laughs> uh, uh, but the, the Packers throw inside the five as much as or more than any team. How many inside the five receiving touchdowns does Devontae Adams have over the last Sure, but that's what I'm saying. You're talking about a team that was not construct- like it was. I don't think it was necessarily the fact that they don't throw inside the five. I think it's just when you're talking about those are your options to throw to inside the five. Of course, you're going to have a more balance. Yeah, that makes some sense. All right, all right. I'm still going to take step over. That's fine. I think that's going to be a, a. I think that's going to be a very interesting argument all the way up until the season kicks yeah. off. Digs versus so, yeah, D- till, Digs till versus week, Adams till week 18. Yeah, or, so, yeah that, maybe too. not all the way to week 18, but uh, certainly it's going to be one where you can go back and forth, and uh, everyone's basically going to be dug in on the side that they're dug in on. All right, one more team, you guys. Let's do it. The New York Jets. Is this like a sneaky fun team? I feel like this could be a sneaky fun fantasy team. It really, I mean, it's going to depend on Zach Wilson. The pieces are there. This could, should be a very good offensive line. There are plenty of guys to throw to. We all hate that Michael Carter got his mojo stolen by Brees Hall, but the fact remains that you've got some backs you can lean on. Like, everything seems to be there. That line, very important, should be pretty dang good this season. It's all about Zach Wilson putting it together, and if he does, like there's some there's value up and down this team. I think. What are we looking at here, Jake? Oh, why'd you go to me first? I was pulling something up. I thought that, <laughs> I, can't I went remember. first last time. I was kind of was pulling this up to like pull up a stat I for you. I can't remember. I can't remember. This is like my <laughs> um, yeah, I said this. Be- this I'll say this before. Like my the biggest hangup I have is how the Jets looked better with Mike White and Joe Flacco, and so it it really does come down to Zach Wilson. They've got the you know it's a similar thing in as in Miami where they've done they've gone out of their way to really say, okay, let's put Zach Wilson in the best light possible, mm-hmm. give him the best running back in the draft who can catch passes, give him the best receiver in the draft, in my mind, in, in Garrett Wilson. You know, if you get Elijah Moore to be healthy and Corey Davis to be healthy and those offensive line improvements, Zach Wilson doesn't have an excuse. So uh, 
you know, this is this is kind of make or break. It's only year two for him, but for me, if he's staying healthy, they're gonna get their they're gonna get their answer on whether mm-hmm. this is a team on the rise or whether they have to reset at the quarterback position again. Yeah, all right, I totally so, agree with that. All right, so that now uh, spin the question for me. I'm still looking for your answer on this thing. I'm trying to find <laughs> the percentage passed inside the five yard line for you. For oh, oh man, look at you! This is, this is some impressive clicking around. I got to say, when you <laughs> find it, I, I mean, like this is all. This is all on Zach Wilson, right? And this is all on Zach. Like, th- how you? Here, how here's you an interesting attack stat. this team. Yeah, it's like a Rorschach test. For <laughs> for as bad as the Jets were last year, they had 3.0 red zone scoring attempts per game, which was tied with San Francisco at 20th in the league, which is better than I would have expected. I would have thought they might have been down at the bottom of the league. So, you know, they're already they already showed some signs that their offense, you know, could potentially take another step. And so I think it's a ripe situation for there to be improvement above and beyond what we expect with this team. If things kind of align and Zach Wilson plays well. Yeah. So I think of course a lot of it hinges on Zach Wilson, but I don't think Zach Wilson has to be a top 10 quarterback to have value here. I I think that if you push back Corey Davis to be in the number three, uh, we saw various times last year, Zach Wilson missed his own time. Elijah Moore missed his own time. There wasn't a, many games that they overlapped together, but there were some, and there was especially promise shown between both of them late in the year, and there was plenty shown by Elijah Moore. But, you know, you had Crowder in and out of there. Uh, so I think now you're looking at the fact that you have Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore as your top two. I mean, you could argue, of course, we still have to see them develop, but you could argue that if just judged on what we think about the players – talent alone we're talking about a top 10 duo in the league if we're just evaluating like what we believe they could be so if you have that and then whether it's uzama or conklin or whatever they're trying to cobble together at tight end and now you have carter with Brees hall at the backfield and an offensive line that's been better than it was three four years ago i mean you have everything right for this is kind of a different like it's Daniel Jones from two years ago, who I keep comparing Zach Wilson since he came out of college to, is Daniel Jones. Like, you have everything in place. Daniel Jones didn't have the offensive line, but you have all the talent around you and an offensive line. If Wilson can just be an adequate quarterback, throw like a, I'd say even like a T- Ryan Tannehill passing only quarterback, I think mm-hmm. you could see both wide receivers finish inside the top 25. Yeah. <clears throat> I think you could too. I really think this is like a this is a this is a fertile environment. I think for fantasy goodness, and it's like what we talked about with respect to I think the Broncos in our AFC West episode. Like like you know all these guys are going to be affordable. I'm not you're not going to get you know bargain basement type prices on these guys, but they're all going to be affordable. And like I just think that this is a situation where you look at all the fantasy relevant guys, all could hit or exceed expectations without really much growth on the team. My, the one guy I've seen Elijah Moore go 20, 21, 22. And I think, uh, yeah, people are, are getting a little rich on him sometimes. Uh, but Jake has him 27. I think that's about right. Like mm-hmm. get him out of that wide receiver two range, kind of get him in the mid wide receiver three level is about where I would, I would do. And I don't think Garrett Wilson should be very far behind. It could either, it could very easily go the other direction. And with Wilson in the lead there, I feel like the Jets could make the playoffs. 
If they were in the NFC, I would pick the Jets to make the playoffs. Well, you might as well just take their over then, because if you've got them <laughs> Well, go- yeah, of course. <laughs> if, I, if they were in the NFC, I would pick the, that. That's going to be the problem with like these like sneaky AFC teams that we kind of like. It's not that they can't be good enough to make the playoffs. It's more just that they need like a, a handful of teams who we know are going to be like at least eight and nine good to be that bad. Right? Yeah. Like it, Bills, they're all, like Bills, Ravens, Bengals, um, all the AFC West, Colts. I don't like the Titans, but I think you have to put the Titans in that conversation to at least start the season. Like right there, you're talking about what I say, six, eight, oh my gosh, nine teams. <laughs> There it is. Right there. That's nine teams right there that we expect to at least be like they come into the playoffs or they come into the season on paper playoff contenders. Boom. No question about it. We'll see what happens in Cleveland. That could be a 10th team. Like that's going to be the problem for the Dolphins of the world and the Jets of the world is that this the AFC is just insanely deep this season with teams we know are going to be at least competent and we know at least some of those competent teams are going to be truly great. Jake? There we go. Uh, yeah, so I can't get inside the five. All I can get is inside the ten for pro football. Fans. That'll work. So That's decent enough proxy. Yes, the the Packers threw fifty three point six percent of the time. The Raiders threw forty eight point six. Okay, so not not a huge drop. Yeah. So where does that rank? Where does that rank overall? It's a ten percent difference. No, it's five percentage 5%. points, but it's only yeah, it's only on it's, yeah, it's ten percent. Yeah, but it's only on a hundred plays. So you're not talking about. Both of them, so the Packers had 97 plays inside the 10, and the Raiders had 72. So, assuming okay. the Raiders' offense, we're still talking closer. about that. 10 is a pretty big, yeah. And like, yeah, that's a big difference. That's all I'm saying. No, it's but I, I think at the end of the day, when you're talking, so what is that? About so 10 like plays, the, 10, 10, 10 a, fewer. Having a guy, no, but, but I'm saying like 10 Devontae fewer Adams pass attempts over the course of a season isn't going to drop Adams from the realm of touchdowns to no touchdowns. That's only 10 over the course of a season. Well, I'm not saying it's going to do quite that, but I'm I, what I am saying is that it's it's something to uh, well, I'm, I'm something, to something think to about. Think about. It's something to think about. Yeah, here's, for me, here's something to think about, Beller. If you're going to tell, me, plus tell me 700 10, for the Jets that? to make the playoffs. Plus 700. Where the Giants I, I are where the Giants are plus 250. <laughs> <laughs> It's ridiculous. Make, wait, are they serious? Because the NFC because the NFC sucks. No, that's yeah. Giants idiotic fans. That's that's what that the is. NFC is garbage. <laughs> that not that big of a difference. The NFC is trash. No, that, that's Jake, that's look, that's hey, Vegas Jake, knowing that everybody's going to bet on the Mets and the Giants any chance they get. They know that Devontae Adams could Devontae be. Adams had six touchdowns inside the ten last year. One, two, three, four, five of which were inside the five. The okay. year before that, oh damn it, Aaron Rodgers, get out of my face! I've seen enough <laughs> of you in my life. The year before that, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen touchdowns that came inside the ten yard line. Well, but I'm one, not talking two, about two three. years ago. I'm just why talking are about you count, five, six, why seven. are you counting? If you go yeah. to Pro Football Reference red zone stats, yeah. and they do inside the five, inside the ten. I'm, well, and I'm I just, have my ways. I'm I'm looking through his touchdown. Line. And I'm look, anyway, and, seven and, of those were inside the five. But all I'm talking about, he gets a lot inside there, and the, like his presence could make them no, throw more in but that here's range. Here's the thing: it's only from last year to this year. Ten targets over the entire year for the entire team. Even if you gave all ten of those to, De- that's what I'm saying. You can't strip Devontae Adams of ten because now he's a negative. I'm saying if you take all of that for the touchdowns, <laughs> it's ten targets for a team over the course of an entire year. That's I'm throwing that out the window. That's inconsequential to me. If you said if you said thirty, okay, that's two per game almost. Sure, but 
Not 10 over the course of the entire season for a team. All right. I mean, there's a, there's an argument there. There's also an argument to be made that the the mere presence of Devontae Adams will make any team throw more inside the 10 and inside sure. the 5. And a healthy I think Waller. you could say that, too. And a healthy Darren Waller, for sure. For sure. Did we already touch on all the teams? We have. That's yeah. crazy. All right. Right? We did it all. So you want to <laughs> be done? And Sounds some good. history and some digs and versus some Adams. And a lot some of... digs versus Adams. Uh, who would have thought we would have brought up laughs. Dante Culpepper in a show about the AFC East? Hey, Dante, <laughs> man. He was awesome. He was awesome. It's crazy to me that there are now like multiple generations of people playing fantasy football who never got to experience Dante Culpepper. So if you have some time, kids, I know you know YouTube and all those other great places. Go check out the Dante Culpepper. There's some pretty sweet highlights there. Go check They're out Dante gonna be Culpepper. Grainy, Do that with some of your free time. <laughs> They're going to be grainy. You actually might not even be able to see them with uh, the way your eyes are trained to 4K screens. But either way, Dante Culpepper, he was awesome. He didn't quite do three years in a row. Josh Allen, he's going to do it. He'll be the groundbreaker. We'll have some sort of celebration and get those guys all together in our brains when that happens. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to us. Thanks for uh, enduring the history lesson. For Jake, for Brandon, I'm Beller. Talk to you later. See you.